mic off. Yes, I turned it off. I thought I turned it on. I apologize. Uh, really glad you're here today. We are wrapping up the message series, Lies That Defeat Us. And what we've been looking at are um, the lies that we tend to buy into. We've been trying to identify the common lies uh, so that we can identify them, deal with them, and get the upper hand in the battle against them. Um, since these thoughts are in our mind, it's easy to claim them as our own, to, to buy into them. And so uh, we've been talking about how, how to walk around the landmines of the thoughts that can blow up in our face. Uh, about six or seven years ago, I was in a country in uh, Central Asia, and I was flying in a small plane. And, you know, most planes here in America, we have uh, informational pieces in the back of the seats of the plane in front the seat in front of you and so you know you open it up there's a magazine there's some instructions on if you go down over uh, any kind of water you know what to do there's different things what was interesting I pulled the informational piece uh, out of the back of this seat and it said that because of all the war that had taken place in this country the uh, country is filled with landmines. And so do not, do not walk off the well-traveled roads and paths because it might blow up in your face. And I thought about that this week as I was getting ready to speak because we've been talking about lies that will take you off the path. And if you let them, if you run with them, if you let your mind run with those things, then what happens is you end up over a landmine and you may step on it and it blows up in your face and really ruins a stewardship. Uh, like your family, you know, we, we all have responsibilities in our family, our career, ministry, friendships, finances. These are thoughts that if we let them run, they blow up on us. And they cause all kinds of havoc and, and, and devastation. We've been looking at how we have to fight to claim the promised life that God has for us. We, we have to fight. The way it is today, we, we have to battle. And we haven't really explained that a whole lot. There's a great explanation in, in the Scripture for why that is. But that's the way it is. We have to fight. You know, the God, God makes promises and... We, he, he works in us and works through us as we deal with the obstacles to living the life that He promises us. He actually uses the fight, the battle, the struggle, the, the ups and the downs. He uses that to really grow us and change us. But the way it is, we have to fight. We, we have to battle. And so we've been looking at the common thoughts, the common lies that defeat us and We've been trying to identify them so that we can reject it and replace it with the truth. Here's, here's where we've been so far, this last message in the series. We've looked, first of all, at it, it's too hard. We looked at how God's in control, nothing's too difficult for Him. I'm too tired was the second one. And the lie in these two things, these two thoughts, is T-O-O. You know, you may be tired, it may be difficult, but... You're not too tired to do what God wants you to do. And it's not too difficult. 
He, he's going to help you. He's going to help you work through that. Third week, we looked at it's not what I want. Uh, the lie behind this is what I want is the best for me. <laughs> That's what, what I want can ruin me. And so I've really got to be on guard. I got to watch myself. I've got to, I've got to check myself and allow God to do in me and through me and give me what's best for me. And then we looked at it's not fair. This is a little tricky to see the lie here, but the, the, the lie behind this one is I can figure out what fair is. And I should expect life to be fair. The Bible is very clear. Life's not going to be fair. It is not. Life is not fair, and that goes back to the reason it's a battle to claim the promises of God. Really good answer there. We're not going to go into it, but we, we have to battle, and we can't expect life to be fair, but God in the midst of it is just. And so as we deal with unfair things, we trust the one who judges justly. We put our trust in Him. We rest in Him. And then today we're looking at, I'm the only one. I'm the only one who's dealing with this. I'm the only one who's ever had to struggle in this particular way or who's ever dealt with these obstacles. So we're going to dig into this one today. And what I've learned in my life, one of the most liberating things I've ever learned is that I can reject thoughts that aren't true. And I can claim the life that God promises me by learning to battle in my mind and use His truth to give me the perspective I need to move forward. So today we're going to look at the thought, I'm I'm the only one. It's very easy to slip into isolation mode, particularly if you're an introvert. You may be an introvert, I'm an introvert. Uh, but very easy to slip into isolation mode and mentally separate yourself from the group, especially from those in church life, a church group or a group of believers that you're walking through life with. It's easy to isolate yourself from those who can really help you because they're, they're related thoughts to this. I'm the only one thought that we're dealing with today that sort of pull us in the wrong direction. They pull us away from the group. One is, I can't really relate to them. Yeah, they're, they're not, they're not my peeps. You know, they're not my people. Sorry for that. I I know that, I know that's lame, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. (laughs) Um, but you know, I can't really relate to them. Their background or their past, their history. Yeah, they just, they're not, it's different. They're not going to really understand where I'm coming from. Maybe you've had some trauma in your background. And no, nobody, I'm not, I don't think they can relate to that. I don't think they can really get me because of that. And then, you know, a related thought. These people aren't like me. You know, I can't relate to them. These people aren't like me. They, they don't have the, the same cool estimator. We all have a cool estimator. In our mind, you know, we we rack up certain things, most of them outward. And then as we get to know somebody, it, sometimes it's the language that you use, you know, and, and people, these people, they just aren't close to my definition of cool. I mean, they 
When I try to have a conversation, it's awkward because I say things that seem odd to them and they say things that seem odd to me. And boy, we, we just don't click. And so these things are going on and it's tempting to pull us into isolation mode. And a major strategy in battle is to isolate the enemy, cut them off from their fellow troops and all the resources and support. They're going to keep them going in the battle so that you can beat them to death. And that's where this is coming from. This is isolation mode. Today's lie cuts us off from the help we need to win the battle in life. It cuts us off from the sense that God is right here with us and on our side. This is what the enemy wants to do. Drive a wedge, clean ourselves and God. And it cuts us off from the sense that anybody else is ever going to understand me and support me in this in what I'm dealing with. I've seen person after person bail out from following Christ because they feel like nobody in the church understands me. They're just not going to understand what I've been through, who I am, the way I think, what's going on. They're, they're just not. But in reality, this room is full of people that can understand. We're all human. We all struggle. We have a lot in common. Maybe some outward differences, maybe some cool factor differences, but we, we have a lot in common. It's people who want to understand. And so this strategy of isolating and defeating is something we have to learn to battle. We, we really have to learn to, to, to deal with it because isolation magnifies my discouragement, my fears, and my worries just blows them all out of proportion. If I stay inside my head, if I stay in there, I get more of all those things. I get more discouraged, more fearful, and more worried. And so I have to learn to deal with this. On the other hand, when I talk to God, when I go to God, and I get into His Word, I let Him speak to me personally, when I pray, when I lay out my concerns to Him, I try to do this every day in the morning. And I get up in the morning and I just look through my day and I give it to God. God, here's what's happening. Please help me do what pleases you in this. Get into his word. And often I hear just what I need to hear that blows open my perspective to deal with whatever it is. What, what I know after several decades of uh, walking with God is that I can't do his will without his help. I just can't do it. The lies that defeat us, they distort our perspective so that we focus on doing life our own way and not God's way. And they, they grow emotions that put a wall up between us and God. They put this wall up. And time and time again, I found when I get up in the morning, spend time with God, get into his word, I soak up a portion of his word. I, I talk to him. He, he speaks clearly to me. And he gives me just the insight I need for that day. He gives me just, just the piece of uh, kernel of truth that I really need to hold on to. Or he corrects me. Sometimes my thinking, I'm, I'm following alive. Ooh off the path, going toward a landmine, and he graciously 
straightens me out. So this is, this is very important. This time in the morning I found to be very, very important. I can't do life God's way without God's help. I need his perspective. The Bible is packed full of it. And I found a tremendous amount of help there. He wants to meet with you as well. He, he, wants, he wants to give you what you need to deal with life because when I'm isolated, I'm easily defeated. When I get isolated, I'm, I'm easy to take down. And so are you. And so we, we need to check in with God. Getting with others is also an important thing. Um, when we're dealing with these, these things. So get, getting with other people, talking about what's going on. Life groups are great for this. But we need, we need friends we can share our heart with. We can talk about things who will give us God's perspective back in the Scripture. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to go back again and look at a piece of history from the nation of Israel. Uh, this is very early in their nation's existence. Saul was the very first king. We're going to look at a, uh, something that happened during his reign. Uh, his son, Jonathan, Jonathan uh, the prince, was a courageous man. And we're going to learn some lessons from Jonathan this morning. Uh, what we're going to do is look at his example uh, when Israel was once again under the oppression of uh, another nation because they had walked away from God. They kept walking away from God. Oppression would occur. God would raise up someone or do something to free them from that as they turn to him and trust him. Now, at this point in history, they're under the oppression of Philistines, Philistia. And uh, the Philistines were very shrewd. They came up with a brilliant plan to keep the Israelites under their thumb. And I guess they were expert in metalwork. They were expert in metallurgy. And so uh, they did one of two things. It's not clear what they did. But either they didn't share their tricks and tips with the Israelites so the Israelites could make their own weapons, or they just flat outlawed blacksmithing since they were in control of what was going on they set up a police state and outlawed blacksmithing so that the israelites were struggling to 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 do anything with metal work and so they had farm they were farmers agricultural society so they had tools they would have to go to philistia they would have to go to them to sharpen their tools and things but what this meant is there were two weapons among all the Israelites at this point in their history, two weapons. King Saul had one. He had a sword. Jonathan had another sword. Two. That's a brilliant strategy, isn't it? <laughs> Just make sure the enemy doesn't have anything to fight with. We're going to keep them right where we want them. And that, that's exactly what they did. That's a major advantage, isn't it? So we're going to peek in. At this point of history in the nation of Israel, and we're going to learn some lessons from a courageous prince. Here are some of the highlights, uh, the facts that show Israel's disadvantage in 1 Samuel 13, 5 through 7. It says, The Philistines gathered to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots and 6,000 men to ride in them. Now, they've got two weapons. This is a, this is a bunch of chariots. Two horsemen for each chariot. Their soldiers were as many as the grains of the sand on the seashore. That's in addition to the chariot riders. The Philistines went and camped at Michmash. I love that name. Don't you like that name, Michmash? 
I just like saying it. I, I only get to say it once, though, I think. Um, unless I go back and say they camped at Michmash, then I get to say it again. Which is east of Bethaven. When the Israelites saw that they were in trouble, they went to hide in caves and bushes among the rocks and in the pits and wells. This is not a part of their military strategy. They were in panic mode, man. They were afraid. So they're hiding. Some Hebrews even went across the Jordan River to the land of Gad and Gilead. They were, they were running for their lives. Because the Philistines are, are mounting up. There's this vast army that's mounting up against them. And they're running for their lives. At this point, they didn't have any courage and resolve. They, they were weakened. They were afraid. They were discouraged. They were fearful, obviously. They, they compared their ability to win by the sheer numbers. They can count. They could count. And they knew they were outnumbered. So King Saul is watching his troops disappear. Now, here's his men. He's watching them disappear. He looks at the sheer size of the other army. His own panic is starting to build. He counts his men. He has 600. 600 men willing to fight. And, and not only was he greatly outnumbered, they had two weapons and some farm tools. You know, not, not power tools. <laughs> you know, like sickles and picks and axes and things. You know, they, they didn't have a lot. So at this point... It didn't appear like there was any courage left in the Israelite camp to to press on. But in chapter 14, we see one man taking a faith angle on what was going on here. One guy, Jonathan. In spite of the circumstances, Jonathan, the king's son, takes a bold step to attack the Philistines. He brings his armor bearer with him and leaves his father and the 600 men who are gathered there, and they sneak over to the Philippine outpost. And, and here's what he says. This is very important to, to see what he says here. In 1 Samuel 14, 6 and 7, Jonathan said to his officer who carried his armor, Come, let's go to the camp of those men who are not circumcised, the Philistines. Maybe the Lord will help us. Genuine faith, I, I like this, maybe the Lord will help us. We're going to find out. We're going to take this step. We're going to see what God does. Because genuine faith isn't trusting God for a specific outcome. It's trusting God no matter the outcome. It's, it's trusting Him to do what pleases Him and what's best for His purpose. And then Jonathan says, the Lord can give us victory if we have many people or just a few. This is a faith angle toward a very bad situation. We, we may be alone, but God is enough to accomplish what He wants to do through us if it pleases Him. And He will do what pleases Him. Look at how this pulls the armor bearer along. The officer who carried Jonathan's armor said to him, Do whatever you think is best. Go ahead. I'm with you. So he's in heart and soul. This is a great picture of how God wants to use us in the lives of the people around us. And the major lesson is this. One person acting in faith to do what is right before God inspires and brings others along. This is the way it works. We need these kind of examples in our lives. People who will call us forward by their own example, by their own willingness to take the faith angle toward a situation. 
We need them in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our work groups. We need them at school. Uh, we need to be around these kind of people in church life. We, we, we can be this person. God wants us to be this person. And he wants us to be the ones that pull others along in, in the right direction and inspire them. And, and this is the way it works. We, when we set ourselves to do right, we inspire. When we take a faith angle toward what's going on, that, that really boosts people to do what's right themselves. Uh, we're going to have a throwback Sunday. I know it's usually Thursday, isn't it? Th- throwback Thursday. Um, we're going to have a throwback Sunday. We're going to look at a clip from a movie uh, called A New Moon or New Moon starring Nelson Eddy. I don't know if you ever heard of him. I barely have. Uh, it's from 1940. And we're going to watch a situation where he, uh, the main character, uh, the, the men that he's talking to, they're in a really bad spot. They're sailors. Their ship has been overtaken. And they need to take it back or they're going to lose the life that they've known. So something needs to be done. And we're going to step in and, and watch this scene and see how all this works. Make movies like that anymore. <laughs> but is that good stuff or what? That is fantastic. Here's the line from the, the last line we heard from that song. Hearts can inspire other hearts with their fire for the for the strong obey when a strong man shows them the way. We, we can make a tremendous difference in the lives of the people around us. Back to our story from the scripture. Jonathan and his armor bearer attack the Philistines. And the two of them take out 20 of the Philistines. And then in 1 Samuel 14, 15, all the Philistine soldiers panicked, those in the camp and those in the raiding party. The ground itself shook. God had caused the panic. So here's God working with them. They're not alone. You know, God can give us victory by many or by a few. He, he can do this. After this, Jonathan's bravery rallies the rest of the troops and God saves Israel. Then Saul gathered his army and entered the battle. They found the Philistines confused, striking each other with their own swords. Earlier, there, there were Hebrews who had served the Philistines and had stayed in their camp. But now they joined the Israelites with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites, uh, hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, heard that the Philistine soldiers were running away, they also joined the battle and chased the Philistines. So the Lord saved the Israelites that day, and the battle moved on past beth Avon. Only God can do this kind of thing, and he saves Israel. And if you're trying to accomplish his will with your life, he will work to help you do his purpose. He, he will. He's faithful. In this story, Jonathan shows us some key strategies to face this lie. I'm the only one. It's a lie because we're never alone. If you choose to walk with the Lord, if you choose to turn from going your own way and follow Christ, He is always with you to help you and to walk through things with you. Good news is that God helps us in the battle as we, first of all, choose strength, courage, and carefulness in our stewardships. Very first week, we looked at uh, the charge that God gave to Joshua as he was sitting on the edge of the promised land and what it was, he, he told him what it was going to take to win 
the, the land that God had promised to them. He said it's going to take strength, courage, and carefulness. Strength is a word that particularly means to, to hold, to grip, to keep a strong grip on my responsibilities in a given situation. Courage means to take action, to act with valor, to act with courage. And then carefulness just means to be exact. And the carefulness relates to God's commands, to God's direction. This is the way to claim the life. And the attack comes of all these lies. It comes at these three points. We have to refuse to give in to discouragement when we're uh, relating to others and feel like we're not being heard or understood. When we feel like we're the only one, we have to refuse that. If we give in to discouragement, the courage is zapped away from us. We also have to fight against losing our grip. You know, I'm the only one. Nobody else has these problems. They're stacked against us. We, we start loosening our grip because, uh, what's the use? I, I don't see any help here. When we think we're misunderstood or left out, we have to keep continuing to obey God. Uh, because His is the path to blessing and joy. He, he's the one that's going to lead us there. God wants to guide us in the midst of the battle, but like every general, He wants us to obey orders. Exactly. To be careful to do that. To win the battle, we, we have to keep holding on to the truth and discarding the lies. That's why getting into the Bible is so important every day. Getting into the Bible, talking to God, asking for help, asking for power, perspective, the help you need to do what He wants you to do. Because what He's going to do is He's going to show you what thoughts to keep and what thoughts to put on the discard pile. <laughs> he's going to guide you in that. And it's amazing. He, he wants to give you the help and the perspective you need to be the husband He wants you to be, to be the wife He wants you to be, to, to deal with the challenges at work, to handle midterm week or finals week. He, he wants to give you what you need. Sometimes when you're really trying to help someone, to serve them, to minister to them, only God can work in the heart of a, another person. And He wants to give you what you need to help that person, to do your best to help them open up to God and His work that He wants to do in their life. So God uh, wants to give us the strength, the courage, and help us be careful. He also helps us in the battle as we take a faith angle in the midst of the challenges. This is what Jonathan did. This is what we see from him. He knew that the Lord can choose to do whatever He wants. He can choose to intervene and, inter and interact in any way He wants. And just when we think we're all alone, we focus on ourselves, but God's right there. When we choose faith, we see there's more going on than what I feel. And God's at work here. God, God actually wants to use the challenge, the battle. He wants to use them uh, to remind us who's in control. He wants to use them to shape our character and to change us. And He wants, most of all, many times the frustrations in our life, He wants to use them so that we start depending on Him for life and for direction and for help. Finally, we, we need to remember that God's the source of victory in the battle. He's the one who's going to give the victory. He's the, he's the only one. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about how to fight the lies that stop our progress in trying to live the life that pleases God. 
We, we've been giving practical ways to fight intelligently and biblically. And throughout the series, what we've hoped is it's been a real help. You've got some help and understanding on where the attack comes from and, and what the attack is. Well, one thing I want to leave you with is uh, that you don't have to fight alone. And you really can't fight alone. If you try, you're, you're going to isolate yourself and you're, you're, you're going to go down. When you think it's too hard or you're too tired or it's not fair, it's not what I want or I'm the only one, remember this, Proverbs 21, there's no wisdom, understanding, or advice that can succeed against the Lord. You can get the horses ready for battle, but it is the Lord who gives victory. If you've never decided to follow Jesus Christ as boss and Savior, to accept what he's done for you, uh, to take away the shame, to uh, give you the life that you've always wanted, turn to him. Victory comes from him. He, he gives the strength, not only in the battle as we face isolation and loneliness, but also to continue to battle all these thoughts that come against us. He holds the key to victory. And He holds the power that comes from Him to win the battle. I have to stay in touch with God on a daily basis and ask Him for help. Keep depending on Him for help to give the victory that He wants to give. Would you pray with me? Ben's going to come up and lead us through uh, some next steps in a moment. Would you pray? Father, we thank You for the truth that we see in Your Word. It really does set us free, God, from these lies that take us down. And defeat us. Thank you, God, for your gracious patience with us. And I pray that you'd give us the strength and the energy and the wisdom to apply what you said to us this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.